I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Great Brazilian team. Gout, it's there. They're ahead. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's okay now. The goalkeeper's beaten. And South Africa have their first goal. Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9, The Game and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with us Friday night after Hawks basketball. I'm Jason Longshore alongside Jessica Charman. And Jess, we're about 36 hours away from possibly one of the most anticipated World Cup finals in our lifetimes as Argentina and France will do battle on Sunday. Yeah, time has certainly flown in this World Cup and we've been given a final that maybe we didn't all expect, but everybody wants to see now. It's a crazy matchup between two sides that are going to play a tactical game, incredible talent on the field and I'm not sure what I'm expecting yet. I haven't really had time to process yet what I'm expecting from the game, but looking forward to digging into it with you today because I think it's going to be one for the ages. Yeah, we're going to dig into what to expect from Argentina, what to expect from France, personnel-wise, tactical-wise. We're going to give you that glimpse tonight on the show. Now, to take a quick look at the, the juice box situation here, I cannot remember a World Cup final that is this evenly matched. Now, again, we're a day and a half away, but Argentina, a very, very, very slight favorite at minus 112. France is minus 104. That's as even as it gets. Um, That's according to FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm sure there will be movement as we get closer. And one of the things that could affect that movement is going on with the French squad. They have some illness issues, and I'm sure there'll be updates tomorrow. That might tweak the line a little bit. One thing that that won't tweak the line is we kind of start with Argentina on the show tonight. They're training in a 5-3-2 or 3-5-2 shape, but depending on how you want to call it, very similar to how they played against the Netherlands. So Lisandro Martinez coming into the starting lineup for Leandro Paredes instead of four central midfielders like they did against Croatia. It would be three center backs, three central midfielders. That's according to TIC journalist Gaston Edul. You know, we've seen... Lionel Scaloni just tweak the the lineup throughout the tournament, but also tweak the way that Argentina plays. And against a team like France, they present a different kind of setup than the Netherlands did. 
but it's good with Mbappe's pace, with Dembele's pace, and with the ability of Giroud in that front three. I get the idea of potentially having a third center back and dropping into a line of five when needed to just have that extra security. Yeah, I think there's some people that may say it seems a little timid to make a change based on the French side. But when you look at the quality and where France has been so dangerous, it's been the attacking players for them. You can't deny that they have quality on the pitch. The last two teams in terms of Morocco and England who have had some success were able to defensively focus on trying to silence Mbappé. But you have to do that by putting your best players in the role to have success and maybe make some adjustments to allow yourself to have a little bit more defensive responsibility and defensive structure. So I, I think what's good from an Argentine perspective is that they've played in this formation during moments in the World Cup, like you say. It's not like they're going into this and trying something brand new and they're going to be able to have experience in terms of the defenders that they have in these roles to hopefully be able to limit France's impact because I think Argentina wants to find the balance between playing their own game but also preventing France having any success because we've seen that they can be so dangerous when they're able to have that link-up play in the offensive third. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to take away how France can hurt you and having an extra defender just gives you a little more security in that. The other thing that I think it can do, and, and we saw it against the Netherlands, it wasn't like they got defensive in this shape, really. They were able to get the wingbacks forward a mm -hmm. lot, and they were able to create some overloads there. And I think one of the more interesting areas in this match is going to be Argentina's right side against France's left side. Because France, at, at, at in the back, their right back generally stays at home, Jules Conde. And Teo Hernandez, the left back, loves to get forward. It gets like a lopsided attacking shape when the left back goes and the right back sits. Argentina likes to attack down the right a lot. And that's where Messi usually likes to drift and find that space. So that part of the game is going to be fascinating. And, and while it seems like maybe playing in a line of five is a defensive thing, I think getting the wing back with a little more cover to go could actually turn into an offensive thing if Argentina does what they did against the Dutch and gets those wingbacks forward. And let's be honest with Hernandez, we've seen very good going forward. I mean, scored a very nice goal, but defensively, I think he's looked a little shaky at times, perhaps more of an offensive-minded defender, like you say. And if you're able to get the quality that Argentina has, on the ball in his area, then I think that could be a very favorable matchup for Messi's team. Yeah, I, I like the potential setup. And again, Argentina's shifted shape a lot in this tournament, but the way they've played has been pretty consistent. One person that has not shifted, and we're not talking about Lionel Messi, although he's played every minute. The other player who's played every minute in the field is Nicolas Otamendi. Otamendi, 34 years old, when he left Manchester City, went to Benfica, people thought, okay, that's it. He's he's winding his career down. They thought he was coming to this tournament to be a backup. No, he has been, I think, in the best 11 in the tournament. And this match will be his 100th cap mm. for Argentina. Pretty special day for Nicolas Otamendi. Extremely special. It's always nice when these numbers align, right? And I'm sure he's not really paying attention to the caps right now. His only focus is on lifting a World Cup. But I've been really impressed 
with what a presence he's been in this defensive line. I think we know about his aerial ability, which is very important in Argentine side that maybe is a lot of the time mismatched in terms of aerial duels. He stands up and kind of takes the coverage for everybody else and is that big presence um, in the 18-yard box. But he's also very composed, which I think comes with that age, comes with that experience, not just at the international level, but at the club level. And you can see him leading that back line and playing possession and just being that really level-headed presence that I think the side needs to be able to have a bit of a defensive anchor in a team that likes to be more fluid in the attack. Yeah, he's won more aerial duels than any defender in, in the tournament. Like you said, that's not necessarily a shock, but he's been really good in the build-up play. And, and you know that he's going to have the mentality that's needed for a final. When when you have somebody like Pep Guardiola saying that, that Otamendi is one of the biggest competitors that he's ever seen in his life, yeah, that, that is about as high praise as it gets. And that's the kind of player that you want in a final. Whether it's two center backs uh, along with him or just one center back with him, I, I think Otamendi is a player who is probably going to have to deal with Giroud a lot of the time and probably have to deal with him 1v1. If you go back and you look at the the Poland game and how it played out for Argentina, it was Otamendi who kind of shifted over there, left Romero a little more free, and Otamendi was the one who made sure that Robert Lewandowski didn't hurt them when Poland decided to play, which wasn't all that often, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, Otamendi will probably have to deal with Giroud. And again, if you have two center backs with him, then that means they can help out with Mbappe and Dembele when they win their 1v1s, because that's what those two guys are going to be looking for. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Giroud's a player to watch right now. I think that he's a lot more hot than Lewandowski was, let's be honest. He's got a lot more yeah. help around him. So it may well be a far busier night at the office for Otamendi, but I think he's got the awareness, he's got the understanding, the soccer IQ to track. And like you say, Jason, the thing about this French side is it's not just one player you have to watch. So as you um, talk about tactically, having those three centre-backs allows a little bit more of a helping hand for these players to make sure that they're able to not sacrifice too much by watching just one player at one time. The one thing about being in that shape to start is that it's typically something they do to finish games. It's something that Lionel Scaloni has generally done with Argentina being a team that has scored first half goals pretty consistently, whether it's Copa America last summer, whether it's World Cup qualifying, they scored nine goals in the first halves in Copa America games last year. They were leading at halftime in all of those games. It was a similar setup in World Cup qualifying. They were leading at halftime in 12 of 17 games. Now, this tournament's been a little bit different, but what Scaloni likes to do is get that lead, then bring on the third center back, play in the line of five, and look to play on the counter. It's a little different when you know how do you get more defensive if you're already in the line of five and you don't really have a a dedicated defensive midfielder that you've relied on I mean my guess would be Paredes as we saw against the Netherlands come into the match and provide a little more defensive security at that point but that's the only thing that's a little different here in terms of how you approach this game I think the, the biggest thing about Argentina being in this shape, whether it's to end a game or to start a game, is 
it gives them the ability to sit when they're under pressure. Now, how much will France put them under that pressure is a, is a different conversation because France likes to play on the counter. But Argentina can play on the counter as well. And when you have a player like Lionel Messi who can find that space, they're going to be comfortable if they have to sit. I, I, I do think this game could turn a little bit into that chess match where both teams, both managers are kind of looking at how this goes for 15 minutes, for 30 yeah. minutes. You know, I, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of that staring contest early on here. A little bit of feeling each other out early on, not wanting to take too many gambles. I think that we talked about it earlier on in the tournament, right? How we saw a lot of nil-nils at halftime because teams were trying to maybe gather their thoughts to try and make sure that they weren't taking a risk and falling behind early on in a World Cup final. That kind of plays on the back of your mind, right? You don't want to concede early. You don't want to, you know, give the opposition any opportunity to grow or feel good about themselves in this game. So maybe off to a slower start, but not because they're scared, but almost deliberately tactically just to try and figure out where these, you know, weak spots lay, where this team maybe has difficulties against you and then you can look to exploit it in the second half. I wouldn't be surprised to see this one go into halftime at nil-nil. I wouldn't either. We see it with finals so often in, in any kind of matchup where teams are just a little slower to risk because you don't want to lose a final in the first half. You want to be in position to take care of business as the game goes on. You want to grow into it. That's what you're looking for. One thing about Argentina in this tournament is the emotion. And we've seen it, whether we're talking about the smiles on, on Lionel Messi's face or the anger directed at, at Louis van Gaal. <laughs> um, the emotion has been a big part of it. And that emotion, I think, has just gotten even better vibes with something they decided to do that I've never heard of at this stage of a tournament. I've never heard of this. It's fascinating that they're doing it. Uh, Sergio Aguero has been in Qatar doing a lot of different things for the tournament, but also publicity and sponsors and such. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, who was injured previous to the tournament, wasn't able to be part of the squad. One of the injuries had opened up a spot for Tiago Almada. Nico Gonzalez, Joaquin Correa. These are all guys who have been part of Scaloni's group, winning the Copa America and into the qualification process. Aguero had to retire, unfortunately, due to a health issue. They're going to join the team in their training camp and stay with the team. Like to the point that Aguero, who was always Messi's roommate, is going to be his roommate again. Messi hasn't had a roommate since Aguero retired. Aguero's going to room with Messi before the biggest game of his life. I've never heard of anything like this. No, but I love it because it shows a togetherness. It shows a group spirit. It shows that players that maybe aren't on the pitch are just as important, you know, and you can have an impact, you can have a role and it's respect. And I think it's good for Messi. I think sometimes it's a nice distraction almost to focus away because we know that this is an emotional game, that it is so heavily loaded, that maybe having that normality restored with your old roommate kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off and brings you into a different mindset for the game. Yeah, it, it's just such an interesting thing. You know, we'll talk about the French side of things and where they stand coming into this year just a bit. But Argentina in general is a very emotional team. And I think we've seen the emotions all head in the right direction. I love this move from Lionel Scaloni and the staff to increase the good vibes coming into a final. 
When we come back in five minutes on Atlanta soccer tonight, we will talk about France. We'll talk about their illness issues. Some players are affected by this. We'll talk about their tactics and how they can hurt Argentina. We'll be back in five on Atlanta soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We're about 35 hours and 40 minutes away from the World Cup final now. I'm not counting or anything. Uh, Argentina and France. We talked about Argentina in the first segment and kind of some things to expect from them, things to watch for. Let's talk about the French. Biggest thing to watch for is going to be Didier Deschamps' media availability tomorrow because they are having illness issues. And we don't exactly know what it is, Jess. Like, is it a cold because of the issues between the climate and the air conditioning? And that's what Deschamps has talked about. But then they're also inside the training camp, according to reports, really following more of a virus outbreak kind of mitigation where – they're isolating the the players who are are sick and they're they're worried about that aspect of it. Five players could have issues going into the final. I think all are expected to play right now, but that's a distraction you don't need going into a final. It is, but they do need to stop blaming the English because we played them a long time. <laughs> and we, that's we true. can let that go. You you beat us in the World Cup. You don't have to blame us for uh your illness but yeah there I, was a thread going around <laughs> trying to say like oh well nobody was sick before we played the english <laughs> listen i told you that that's a loaded rivalry that got a little bit more loaded after england lost but uh we will we will get revenge one day i promise um i think the sickness it is a tough one because are they overplaying it to try and catch Argentina off guard maybe is it a game plan thing to sort of shake up the starting lineup make it a little bit less predictable we do know in the semi-final they did have to make changes 
due to illness. So that makes me think maybe it isn't too much of a game plan and they're actually panicking a little bit. But it's a tough one. If you're going to have players that aren't feeling 110%, even if they are available to play, it's going to be on the back of your mind with your selection. And the last thing you need in a World Cup is someone that's not at the very best of their game, not feeling as well as they could, because that takes a mental toll as well. As a player that's played when you haven't been feeling 100%, it's going to affect your decision making. It's going to affect your ability to focus. And these are huge, huge characteristics in a final that you can't afford to miss out on. And the focus is a huge issue for a defensive player. And three of these players are center backs. And there's only so many center backs you can lose before things start to really get messed up with the way your team is structured. Dio Upamecano and Adrian Rabio were the two who missed the semifinal due to illness. Rabio, central midfielder, Upamecano, center back. Uh, Rafael Varane and Ibrahima Konate are also sick now and those are two other center backs Kingsley Coman is also not feeling well um Konate is said to be suffering the worst and he's played very well in this tournament any which way Didier Deschamps is going to have some challenges but he's gotten France to a stage that just really not many people have done they're back in a World Cup final after winning it that's only happened five times now in World Cup history the last European team to do it was Italy in 1938, going way, way back. If France does win on Sunday and they retain their title, they're going to be the first team in 60 years to do that. Brazil in 1962 was the last repeat champion. Now, the process going from 2018 and winning it, you know, honestly, go all the way back to 2016 in the Euros, if you want, where they were at home but did not win it. They win the 18 World Cup. They win the Nations League. They've changed a little bit. They kind of went back in this tournament to what worked more in 2018 with some tweaks. The 4-2-3-1 shape. They played a line of five in Nations League. It worked for them there. They went back to the 4-2-3-1, but the personnel are obviously different. Some of the tactical setups are obviously different. I think this setup for Deschamps is about getting Usman Dembele and Kylian Mbappe in 1v1 situations. The wingers are explosive for this team, and they'll sit a little bit deeper to draw teams out to give Dembele and Mbappe opportunities on the break 1v1. Yeah, and they're deadly. They're absolutely deadly when they have the ability to get into those positions. We saw the pace of Mbappe. We saw the danger that Dembele can have. They're skillful. They put defenders in a really awkward position. I think we saw that best against Morocco, how they don't want to commit to making a challenge because they're so scared of fouling them. And then that causes another world of problems because if you don't put in a challenge because you're scared of committing a foul, well, guess what? Then Mbappe's dancing through you in the penalty box and he's going to find an assist. And I think that when you have skill on both sides of the pitch and you have speed on both sides of the pitch, it makes it very, very difficult because a lot of times, right, with these sides in the World Cup, maybe you have one side that is strong, but you've got two very difficult wings to have to try and defend. And I think that France's main goal, like you say, Jason, is to get the ball up and wide because at the end of the day, defensively, they're not all that fantastic, to put it politely. Yeah, they've been a little shaky at times defensively with all the injuries kind of to be expected.
But these two wingers, that's the best combination of players in the tournament in terms of creating chances for one another. Dembele and Mbappe, they don't stay wide. They get the 1v1 wide and a lot of times come inside. Both are great on the dribble in completely different ways. Dembele, great kind of more traditional dribbler. Mbappe will just blow past you with unbelievable speed, and he knows how to use it and when to hit the turbo button and just fly past the other element with France is Antoine Griezmann's role, how mm. different it has been in all of those competitions under Didier Deschamps. He's played as a nine for Deschamps. He's played as a 10 for Deschamps. He's played as a winger for Deschamps. He's played as an eight at times in this tournament. And you go to the Morocco game, he was really a, in a double pivot a lot of mm-hmm. times as a holding midfielder. He's turned into such a versatile special player who look Mbappe is going to blow you away with the speed you read with the goals Griezmann's the most important player for this French team in my opinion 100% I think he's been one if not the best player in this World Cup in terms of effectiveness and particularly his versatility and the variety of roles that he's been able to play for this side he's been asked to do a lot of different duties for this French side a lot of that because of the players that they're missing the likes of Pogba and he slotted in and he's done a task and I think that takes a real different mentality as a player the ultimate professional if you will when you're able to sacrifice what you want to do and how you enjoy playing because let's be honest he's a player that wants to get forward and wants to have a role but he's able to understand what is best for this team and do a job and not just do a job honestly thrive in a task wherever he is asked to do it on the pitch. I think he's the reason that France was able to beat England. I think you circle him as the player that really was able to thwart England in their game plan and became a real Achilles heel for England. And he's just been quality on both sides of the ball. And yes, he can do the defensive task, but even in a game where he is tactically told to have mostly a defensive responsibility, he still has the ability to undo you with a perfect pass and the perfect chemistry between the front three that we've talked so much about. Yeah, it's so interesting how France has changed with this this team going from one tournament to the next and Griezmann being such a key role with that. The way they defend Griezmann has changed and had to evolve a little bit because you go back to the, the last tournament and they do the same thing here. The 4-2-3-1 turns into a 4-4-2 when they defend. It's two blocks of four with two forwards up high. Giroud always stays up high. Last tournament, last World Cup, it was Griezmann who stayed up high with Giroud. Mbappe dropped as a winger, you know, but deeper in a a defensive role. Now they've changed that, and I think in one way because Mbappe is just better suited to really killing teams, staying up high and, and being available on the break. But also, I think Griezmann, four years older, maybe a little bit more soccer IQ for him. It's just that experience. You know, he's a little bit older, so he can drop a little bit more. He understands the game a little bit. He's experienced a bit more. And it just, it works. They're they're a passive defensive team, though. And it's something to keep in mind about the way this game will go. Because neither Argentina or France are like heavy possession teams. France maybe even less because they're so good on the break. They don't necessarily want the ball a ton. They gave Morocco the ball a ton and were able to be dangerous on the break. They just, they sit deeper 
and they don't really engage you a whole lot when you have possession until they have to. And then when they win it back, it's not just aimless clearances. It is play into the space for Mbappe to run or play long to Giroud and let him hold it up. And that's what's scary about France's speed of ability that they're able to counter and get bodies forward. I think we saw so many 4v3 counters, 4v4 counters, where they're able to commit the bodies forward and get them up to the run of play quickly. And that will undo a side, particularly perhaps if Argentina wants to commit bodies forward into the attack. This is where I think we brought it up in the first segment, Jason. You may see a little bit more of a tentative mindset early on in the game because you don't want to expose yourself to that counter-attack and find yourself in a training position in the World Cup final too early on in a game. Yeah, it suits France in this game. And and I I wonder if Argentina gets a little antsy, as we've seen at times in this tournament when they're given a lot of possession. The Saudi Arabia game, I think a lot of people had the wrong impression that Argentina was bad in that game. You go back and you look at the chances they created and the three goals taken back for all sides, mm-hmm. which were all legit. But, you know, the the chances were there. If anything, I felt like Argentina was pressing too much and trying to play too fast at times, especially after the two quick goals from Saudi Arabia. Argentina's got to have their patience in this game because you don't want to let France get out on that break and you don't want to let them break where Teo Hernandez joins that attack. He is the the difference in the way that France came into the tournament and the way that they're playing now because they can create that double whammy on the left side. When Mbappe does drift out to the, the flank, Teo Hernandez getting forward. You can't just isolate Mbappe and, and try to get a 2v1 against him defensively because Teo Hernandez is right there as well. That's going to draw some defensive attention away from Mbappe, makes him even more dangerous. However, it does open up some possibilities for teams to attack behind Teo Hernandez that really weren't there before when it was his brother, Lucas Hernandez, as the left back. No, and that space in and behind can be very dangerous because I've said I think he offers a lot going forward in terms of Teo Hernandez, but I think defensively he makes some poor decisions. We saw it against England, not necessarily the smartest fouls that he's committed in moments. And when a matchup is so obviously seen, right, it's no doubt that Argentina will have watched how he plays and see this as an area to exploit. It'll be very interested to see how early on they're looking to find that pocket of space in and behind. We've talked about it a lot during this tournament, the importance of the first goal. When, when you get to this level, this stage, the first goal becomes critical. And, and teams that advance deep in tournaments aren't playing from behind very often. It's just it's not how they it's not how you get this far. You fall behind in a match. It's hard to get a result. France, they scored first in six of their seven games in 2018. They've scored first in four of their six so far here. The first goal and who risks what to get it could come down to deciding this match. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, There were some reports earlier in the week about Karim Benzema potentially coming back for France. He is not going to. He's only had a few training sessions. They're not going to rush him back. He said on his Instagram, I'm not interested. I think maybe in 
just in, engaging in the question anymore as opposed to not being interested in being with the team. We're going to get into the third place game because that's tomorrow, Croatia and Morocco. Some other news as well. We'll be back in five on Atlanta soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Final segment, looking ahead to the World Cup Final on Sunday. We will be back with you tomorrow night. We'll tell you what the two managers have to say in their last media availabilities. Didier Deschamps, Lionel Scaloni. I'm sure both will downplay the idea of being afraid of the big star on the opposite team or having an anti-Mbappe plan or an anti-Messi plan. (laughs) There is a game to talk about, though, tomorrow. Croatia and Morocco playing for third place. And, And Jess, we get into this third place game one, you don't really remember them very often in tournaments. And two, it it usually feels like either they are completely crazy because neither team really cares about defending and it's just wide open, or it is completely boring because neither team wants to play in the third place game. I think Morocco is going to have something to play for here, and hopefully that, that brings some energy to this match. Yeah, I think, listen, third place is like a bittersweet thing, right? It's one where you want to finish third because you don't want to finish fourth. But at the same time, this whole game kind of feels like you're rubbing salt into your wounds a little bit. It's like, well, you didn't make it the final, but here's another 90 minutes of soccer for you to play and just feel kind of sad about it. What worries me about this game is the sheer work rate and effort that both Croatia and Morocco has had to put to get to this stage in the tournament. You can't deny that they're two teams that are probably extremely fatigued at this point that are extremely deflated at this point and I hope like you say Jason that for Morocco who has already become the first Arab and African nation to make it into the semi-final now wants to set 
a statement even further, that one step further to say that they finished third. And maybe that plus the incredible fans that we've seen travel for Morocco, because let's be honest, they have been one of my highlights of the tournament as well, can become that 12th man in terms of the environment and take this game up a notch. And that's no disrespect to Croatia. I don't want to sound like I just want them to lose, but I'm just hoping one team grabs this game by the scruff of the neck, because otherwise it might be uh, 90 minutes of watching paint dry and nobody wants that. Yeah, both of these teams are not exactly known for, for lighting things up in terms of the attack. Uh, Morocco is going to have to carry the play here a little bit more than maybe they're accustomed to. They did really well doing that against France. Mm -hmm. I think they showed their quality on the ball. Just needed that final touch in the final third. We'll see if they get that here. They're very tired. That was something that Walid Regragi, their manager, talked about today. Um said they're tired, they're exhausted, both physically and mentally. He's thinking about how to assemble his lineup. Probably a decent bit of rotation for them. Same for Croatia. Zlatko Dalic, he said, this is the seventh match in a month, and we're a bit tired and drained. There's issues injury-wise with Vardiol, with Juranovic as the right back, with Brozovic in that midfield. He said, we'll see what will happen. We have to be cautious. And you have to be because these players go straight back to their clubs. You know, they're going to be playing games in a week for some of these <laughs> guys. So if there's any worry about potential injury in a game that really doesn't matter at the end of the day, yeah, that player is probably not going to play. I think we're going to see a number of players not play in this game because they're going straight back to their day job in a week. Yeah, and there's going to be some club coaches and club staff that are watching this and begging that their players aren't playing because, like you say, it's a very unique World Cup. We've got into that on many occasions. And the last thing players need when they have managed to get out relatively healthy is to come back to their club game with a knock that happened, as you said, in what really, in the majority of people's eyes, is a meaningless game. I mean, let's be honest, what does third place really get other than some bragging rights, you know? Maybe a different color medal. I don't know. I'm not sure what it gets. Maybe a little bit more money. But I mean, do you that, put that third place medal up or is it just one you kind of throw in the drawer? You know what I mean? You know, if you're Morocco, I think you do. I think that third place medal means a lot more to them than it would to Croatia. And, and ultimately, that's what I think will decide it. Uh, I think you're going to have both teams that are heavily rotated, but Morocco will have more to play for. Only two teams get to end the tournament, you know, on the winning side. That's that's one thing here. You mm. want to end this month of hard work and, and suffering at times and mental and physical fatigue. You want to end it on a more positive note. And there's only two teams in the tournament that get to do that. This is a much less positive note <laughs> than winning the final, but it's better than than going out on a loss. like On a double else. loss, because yeah. you would have lost your semifinal too. So you're right, you get to snap that losing streak in at least take some solace it hurts a lot more losing the third place game than it does uh winning it that's for sure yeah definitely that some other news from around the tournament um you mentioned it with uh clubs and, and how they're feeling about players coming back there was some talk you know I, we talked about it with argentina with guys who are not going to play in the final but kind of rejoining the team to be part of this uh the, the concentration is what they call it. It's basically like the, the training camp, the last couple of days of the tournament. Um, you've got guys who are going to be there. Now, 
Emmanuel Macron, the, the president of France, reportedly was kind of leading the effort to to get guys like Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante with the French team at the final. However, their clubs and, and Pogba has had a, a horrible injury situation since signing with Juventus. He had barely been upright and training with them, let alone doing anything else. They don't want to let him go. And you mm. have to kind of understand that. Like, you want to let somebody travel six to eight hours on a flight, be there for a final, then travel back when they're rehabbing from an injury? Probably not. So you are starting to have the club effect at this stage of the tournament a little bit heavier. And even just letting guys go watch their teammates play. Yeah, it's a tough dynamic, isn't it? Because even as like a club exec, you want your players to be happy. You don't want to yeah. take away something from them. But at the same time, a player like Pogba is worth a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And the last thing you can afford is something to happen in terms of an injury, an illness, to push him back, to delay him further. And I think you have to put your foot down as a club at some point because you don't ever want club and country to be competing. But at the end of the day, as you say, the club is your day job. And I think that with this World Cup falling in such a strange place in December, it, it changes that dynamic even more. It means that clubs have to be that much stricter in a lot of ways because they have to protect their best interests first. You know, their solo interests come first. They always will. You have to. I mean, it's just the, the push-pull between the national teams and federations and the clubs who have really taken more power in the game uh fifa and their business as the national teams they're trying to take some of that power back now one of the things that johnny infantino and his press conference that are always interesting and he always says crazy things in them he said in his press conference today in qatar that the club world cup is going to expand in the coming years it was going to expand to 24 before that got shelved now it's going to be a 32 team tournament in 2005 with at least eight european teams invited to be involved the european club association came out and said we don't know anything about this we <laughs> haven't been told anything about this and FIFA Pro, the, the kind of Worldwide Players Association, came out and said, uh, yeah, what about all this talk about not overworking the players? Well, having this kind of a tournament in 2005 before a World Cup in 2006, 2026, yeah, you're going to be overworking the players. And it just, I don't see the logic in it. I know FIFA wants to grow this Club World Cup. Money. <laughs> money <laughs> yeah no I, I get that i understand that and and fifa doesn't get like champions league money for example that's that's uefa um it is a little funny uefa kind of crying foul about this because then you get into the uefa versus the domestic league conversation mm -hmm. so there's lots of bad guys to go around but i'm just not seeing how this is actually going to work no, and if the players don't want it, and if the players are concerned, then that's not a great start to your product, is it? And I think that there is such thing as burnout and overload and injury prevention. And we saw it after COVID, right? Even at every level of the game, at college level, when players weren't used to playing as many games and suddenly you enhance the workload, you get a lot of injuries. And you got to find this balance, right? Is it worth having more games for entertainment, for fans, for money, if it means that the best 
quality players aren't going to be able to play. Of course it's not. And players, at the end of the day, are professionals. And you can't overwork them just how you can't overwork anybody in any job trait because they will drop in performance. They will drop in motivation. They will drop in success rate and the injury risk increases. And for me, it just seems like a diabolical decision to add more work rate onto already pretty loaded plates. You are going to see more of a conversation in this next cycle. And normally it's a four-year cycle. This one's going to be about three and a half with this World Cup falling where it is. You're going to see more of a conversation about how the calendar gets reassessed worldwide and and this is all the way down to domestic leagues domestic cups all the way up to the world cup and how qualification happens for it um it has to it just it, it flat out has to because it doesn't work the way that it is right now players are playing too many games and at times and this is something that uefa said yeah we get it and that's why we're going to expand the champions league you have too many maybe less meaningful games is the best way to put it. Um, I think the the game is headed towards a place where people in general want to see big teams versus big teams, big players mm-hmm. versus big players. But you have to balance tradition and the domestic leagues with that. And something's going to lose out. And I don't know exactly how that's going to fall just yet. Just wait for another Super League conversation because you know it's coming. One thing that Infantino said that made sense today and might have been the only thing that he said that made sense. Mm. He said that after this World Cup and the success of the groups of four, the last day, groups coming down to it, all the drama. He said we have to rediscuss whether 16 groups of three or 12 groups of four is better for the 2026 World Cup. 12 groups of four. Do it. Don't even Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You cannot miss out on these games. They meant absolutely everything. It allows teams an opportunity to play three group games, which is very important because you need that to get to your peak, to get to your, you know, momentum. And I just think that there's something very special about two games going on as simultaneously as humanly possible and switching between two screens and the drama in the last minutes when one team scores a goal in stoppage time. Like you can't recreate those moments with a group of uh, with groups of three. It would be garbage, honestly. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. You get into these situations where you'd have teams who could conspire to have a result where both of them go through it just no it doesn't work yes that means a lot more games in the world cup okay individual teams aren't playing more games you'd play eight games instead of seven to get to the final that was already kind of heading in that direction that's okay in my opinion and you're going to be able to spread the games out a little bit further in the u.s canada and mexico because of the time zones Mm-hmm. And having an indoor stadium like Atlanta, it actually becomes a really important element if you need to have earlier game in the day in a slot where you're not going to be outside when it's 95 degrees. You can play it at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get a few more games here at the Benz. Um, one bit of uh, kind of not unexpected news. Sergio Busquets of Spain, longtime captain, 143 caps. He announced his international retirement. Still going to play for Barcelona. He's linked to coming to MLS and playing for Miami. But he issued a statement on his Instagram and said that after 15 years, 143 matches, 
he is saying goodbye to the Spanish national team. It's a sad one. It's sad the way that he went out, let's be honest, missing yep. a pen, but it's time. It's time to move on. And he's left a legacy, that's for sure, during the golden generation with Spain. Yeah, one of my all-time favorite players, and I would love to see him in MLS, but I don't know if he'll be effective in MLS because I don't think they'll control the play like Spain and Barcelona <laughs> have. I worry about him getting exposed. We'll talk about that down the road, but we'll be back tomorrow, Saturday night, after NFL football, around midnight or so. Make sure you subscribe to the Off the Woodwork podcast for all of our on-demand episodes. You can always listen to the show there. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday night. Adios, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.